Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring comedians Ed Wynn, Fred Allen, Jerry Colonna, plus Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, and the complete cast of It Pays to be Ignorant. One of the great comedians of this century was Ed Wynn. He was popular in vaudeville, the Ziegfeld Follies, radio, motion pictures, and television. His radio program went on the air in the early 30s, and it was an immediate hit. During those early days of radio, the studio audience for all radio shows were separated from the performers by a glass partition, even on the comedy shows. Ed Wynn, being a stage performer, was accustomed to hearing the reaction of the audience, and he asked that the glass be removed. His was the first show on which the audience laughs were heard on the air. This set the style for all comedy shows from that time on. Now, here's an excerpt from one of his programs around 1935. Hey, what's the opera about tonight, Chief? <laughs> I didn't hear you, Jay. I heard you. The, I say, what's the opera tonight? The opera? I'm going to do um, Pogliacchi. Pogliacchi? Well, Pogliacchi, yes. Well, down on 39th Street, I believe we call that Pagliacci, Chief. Oh, well, that's it, but I can't pronounce H. <laughs> well, it's an excellent. It's an excellent opera anyway. Yeah. A little Pagliacci music, please, Maestro. Pagliacci. <laughs> I didn't know I was. Now, the first act of Pagliacci is in the circus. James. All right. Now, the rubber man of the circus is happy because he is the father of a bouncing baby boy. <laughs> and when you look at the boy, you realize they must have caught him on the second bounce. <laughs> now, the boy grows up to be Pagliacci the clown, and he marries the woman lion tamer. What a puss that woman's got. <laughs> well, one night, as, as, the, uh, as the, this woman that he married... One night, as she is about to put her head in the lion's mouth, you know, she's the lion tamer. Yeah. And she yawns with this big mouth of her. She yawns. She does. And the lion says, hey, just a minute. Who's going to do what to who here? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, in the second, the next act is the strong man. He does an amazing feat, James. What does he do? He lifts up a pair of nylons. Well, I, I don't see what's so amazing about lifting a pair of nylons. Well, there are ten women hanging on to them. That's marvelous, James. Anyhow, there are... Well, let me explain the whole thing. All the right, opera. if you will. Silvio the villain. Silvio comes into the circus. He says to the usher, he says, I am so fat that I bought two seats. Then I know I will be comfortable. <laughs> the usher says, I'd like to see you do it because these seats are on opposite sides of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> You folks may as well stay in the studio. It's cold as the devil outside. Well, anyhow, the villain, you know, the villain flakes with a clown's wife. This is the interesting part of the opera, James. And she says, do you think I'm pretty? And he says, did you ever see Lana Taylor? <laughs> she says, oh, I'm not that pretty. <laughs> well, he says, you now have $8. Would you like to try for six? <laughs> 
wonderful Jane. I love you, Poppy. Well, this remark makes them sweethearts. Now the clown. You see, Pagliacci the clown says, don't run away with Silvio. He could never support you. And Silvio says, I can support a family of five for three months on 25 cents. What does the clown say? The clown says, how? And the villain says, well, I buy 25 cents worth of apples, feed them to a horse, then eat the horse. (laughs) (laughs) If I tell many jokes like that, my son will eventually have to support me. The clown is heartbroken and he stabs. He stabs his wife. Yes, the sir. wife recovers from being stabbed. The villain says, did you hear about your former husband? The clown is going to marry one of the Siamese twins. <laughs> she says, how did he get them apart? And he says, well, he told them a joke and they laughed till they split. <laughs> <laughs> she says, she says, I may not look so good, but I'm an old-fashioned girl who will keep house for you an old-fashioned girl who will cook for you, an old-fashioned girl who will mend your clothes. <laughs> and he says, after three old fashions, I don't care how you look. How is they wonderful, really? I love this. <laughs> she says, when we marry, where will we live? And Silvio says, well, there are a lot of hotels in this town, and they're all called Nova Kansas. She says, those signs don't say Nova Kansas. They say no vacancies. <laughs> that, of course, I just put in. <laughs> Anyhow, they decide to marry. And the judge says, do you promise to take care of this woman in sickness and in health, in poverty and prosperity, in good times and bad, for better or for worse? And the bride yells, for heaven's sake, stop or you'll talk about out of it. <laughs> and then the judge says, do you take this woman for your wife? And Silvio says, I do. <laughs> and the judge says, well, I take it for your mother. <laughs> That's what I like. You know, one good joke will save six rotten ones. <laughs> Anyhow, at this instant, at this instant, the clown appears. And the villain's flesh creeps. All of it creeps right out of the room. <laughs> the clown says, darling, come back to me. I have an apartment with all the newest improvements in plumbing. There are three pipes in every room. There's one pipe for hot water, one pipe for cold water, and one pipe to bang on in case there isn't any hot or cold water. (laughs) Isn't that good? Yeah, that's right. This fascinates her, and she returns with her husband. And the last scene, James, is 20 years later. (laughs) This is so beautiful. Yes, sir. Their home has been blessed with many, many children. One day she says to her husband, darling, the income tax is due. He says, ye God, every year the same thing. Every year the same thing. And she says, well, darling, this is no time to scold me. We're going to have another baby. And he says, ye God, every year the same Another performer that began his career in the mid-30s on radio was comedian Jerry Colonna. I know you all remember Bob Hope's foil during his radio shows of the 40s and 50s. Here's Fred Allen introducing Jerry to the radio audience in 1937. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have another vocal treat in store for you. Tonight, we present the first surrealist uh, opera singer. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Mr. Jerry Colonna. 
How are you tonight, Jerry? Very well, thank you, Mr. Allen. I, uh, <laughs> nice of you to flatter me there with the prefix. But uh, I uh, wanted to ask you for a long time. I haven't heard you sing since last year. You come from up home, up around Boston, don't you? That's right, Mr. Allen. Whereabouts? I come from Boston... But I uh, spent a little time in Dorchester. Did you study voice up there? Yes, I did. <laughs> I heard your concert. I heard that you are a graduate of the Baldwin Locomotive Vocal. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get confused any farther, Jerry. I'm just going to ask you what your first number tonight is going to be. Well, it's the title, You're My Everything. You're My Everything. You're going to give a, uh, an impression of an operatic tenor, a little askew, singing You're My Everything, right? That's right. All right, thank you. Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy have been favorites of everyone for more than three decades. This excerpt with orchestra conductor Ray Noble is from the Bergen-McCarthy radio show in 1953. Woof, woof. Testing, testing. One, two, three, testing. Woof, 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 woof. One, two, three. I think our PA is a little P-U. Uh, <laughs> testing, woof, woof. I woof. say, old boy, what are you barking about? <laughs> Get away, boy. You bother me. Yeah. Don't you know any better than to interrupt the hi-fi expert when he's busy exerting? Yeah? Oh, Charles, do you mean to say you're an expert in high fidelity? That's <laughs> right, Ray. Hi-fi is the rage everywhere. Oh, yeah. People everywhere are clamoring for my services. Oh, really? Uh, when are they going to be held? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you dear, dear sweet boy, you... Uh, well, I'm looking for business, so I'll ignore that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> now, look, Ray, if you hand me over, I'll adjust your set so it's exactly right for your ears. Oh, speaking of ears, Charles, I must tell you. Do you, do you know what one of my ears said to the other? What? <laughs> I didn't know you lived on this block. Oh. <laughs> 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 Who says we English don't have a sense of humor? <laughs> well, I don't know, but you can add my name to their list, whoever they are. <laughs> How about it, chum? Are you going to use my services? I still don't know, boy. How much do you charge? Well, for a general good troubleshooting job, $10. For a super deluxe souping up, 15 bucks. And for $20, I'll keep my hands off it entirely. <laughs> What's going on here, Charlie? Oh, well, so you finally got here, Dergy, huh? Folks, this is that atomic comic, Edgar Dergian, whose hair was the first victim of the radioactive fallout. All right. <laughs> That's about enough of that, young man. Oh, I say, Edgar, <laughs> uh, Charles and I were discussing hi-fi. Oh, hi-fi. Hi-fi fidelity, yes. Yes, indeed. You know, 
Yes, that's my favorite subject. Uh-huh. Charlie, did you know that the human ear can only hear sounds that have vibrations of frequency and cycles of from 30 to about 15,000? Uh, does that include Johnny Ray? Yeah. <laughs> However, dogs can, can hear sounds as high as 20,000 cycles or more. Uh-huh. Now, that's what's known as high thido. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if any of you out there are hearing sound over 20,000 cycles, you'd better join a kennel club. You're a dog. <laughs> uh, sounds not loud enough to be heard are said to be below the threshold of audibility. Really? Yeah. And sounds too high to be heard are said to be above the threshold of audibility. Yes. <laughs> You have now reached the second plateau. Yes. <laughs> you want to go ahead, or you want to think it over for a week? <laughs> or better still, just go. No, 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 never mind. Tune in to Bergen's Quiz Show next week, folks. Instead of money, we're giving away Bergen. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, actually, Edgar, you know, I'm sure Charles knows all about hi-fi. Yeah? Well, he's in business fixing them, you know. That's very interesting, Oh, fixing hi-fi sets. Yeah. Oh. How many hi-fi sets have you worked on, Charlie? <laughs> oh, thousands. Oh, well, hundred, maybe a dozen. How many? Well, it comes to a grand total of one, really. One. <laughs> well, I would never have an amateur like you messing with my hi-fi set. No. You know, I have one of the best sets there is. Yeah? Yes. Yes, that's right. You certainly did. Mm. <laughs> what was that? I mean, you do. Do, yes. yes. Just a moment, young man. Nothing has happened to my beautiful set, has it, Charlie? You know, Bergen, that's one thing I've always liked about you. You're so optimistic. Oh, I see. <laughs> did you or did you not harm my hi-fi set? Well, since you're nice enough to give me a choice, I'll say did not. I see. And if I'm lying... May my mouth be washed out with chocolate malted. Yes. <laughs> did you damage it or didn't you damage it? Well, now, wait a minute. Let's take one thing at a time. All right. What do you want to take first? A powder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, out with it, Charlie. What happened? Well, now, Bergen, I just meant to give your hi-fi set a once-over lightly, but I'm afraid I gave it a, a twice-over heavily. All right. <laughs> Go on. I was trying to soup it up, you know. And you know, you know what a lousy cook I am. Yeah. How is the set now? Does it play hi-fi at all? Doesn't even play lo-fi, is that? <laughs> this is awful. I must have shorted a power transformer. I looked around and the room was suddenly flooded with moths. Moths? Yeah, isn't it odd? They always are attracted to flames. Flames? <laughs> I think the darn thing was mined. Uh, there was a big flash of fire and somehow the tubes went out. Well, the tubes can be replaced. Yeah, but they went out through the roof. Oh, through the roof. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Charlie, tell me honestly, what is left of my set? Well, let's put it this way. Here is the tuning knob. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, that does it, Charlie. Bend over, young man. Oh, no, Bergen, please. Bend over. Oh, I'm, too, I'm a big boy. Bend over, young man. I'm going to give you a spanking that will be indelibly printed on your mind. On my mind? Yeah. It's a roundabout way to get there, boy. <laughs> Bend over. Now, Bergen. Now, please. Oh, Bergen. Help, help. Now, Bergen, Now, once again, one of my favorite shows, and judging from the letters received, it's also one of yours. 
Here's Tom Howard, George Shelton, Lula McConnell, and Harry McNaughton. The complete cast of It Pays to be Ignorant on the evening of September 21st, 1945. Mr. Roberts, who is our first contestant, please? Our first contestant tonight, Mr. Howard, is Sergeant John Ortiz of the United States Army. Fine. Good evening, Sergeant Artis, and welcome to our program, and thank you a lot for coming up. How do you feel, Sergeant? Very well. Well, that's fine. I'm glad to hear that. You certainly do look in the pinker condition. Where's your hometown, would you care to tell us? Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Good old Philadelphia. Philadelphia, PA. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Well, scrub me with sandpaper and call me itchy. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you still working in that town? Uh-huh. I was a banker in a baker shop. You, uh, you were a ba- bank- banker in a baker shop? I used to handle all the dough. <laughs> You've got an awful crust there, Mr. Sheldon. Well, I needed it. All right, you needed it. Pay no attention oh, oh, to the sergeant. He has softening of the head. How long have you been in the service? Three years. Three years. Fine, my boy, and congratulations. Uh, are you still in or about to be discharged? Still in. Oh, you're still in. Well, one thing I bet you're thankful for that this mess is over. Yes, I am. I bet you are. I you, certainly you do. You know, Sergeant, it's very easy for you to tell the war is over, you know? Mm. I saw a girl on the street today wink at a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know the old fool followed her for ten blocks? <laughs> Boy, was I tired. <laughs> so I called her up and... All right, please. Next time, get a wheelchair. What did you do before you entered it? My voice is changing, you know, decided. <laughs> You're at that age. Yes, now. I am. What did you do before you entered the service? I was a client. I'm not talking to you. You were a what, Sergeant? I did accounting. You did accounting in Philadelphia? That's right. Uh, for who would you care? You might as well give the firm a plug. The shipyard. The shipyard, yeah. Well, that's a good plug. <laughs> You get a better plug down at the racetrack. You get a better plug. <laughs> Very clever, Mr. Sheldon. Um, uh, do you expect to go back to that work when you're through with Yes, the... I plan to. You plan to. Well, that's good, and I wish you all, all the success in the world. I sure do. Yeah. So but... do I. Yeah. What's your first name, honey? Jack. <laughs> what? John, Jack. he said. I didn't hear him. What, 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 will you take that earmuff off and pay attention to <laughs> Johnny, that's a cute name, though, isn't it? Yes, Johnny. it's a I good... I love that name of Johnny. Good relax. I know, there's something about Johnny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Johnny. All right. <laughs> Why didn't you just call me Novocaine? Novocaine. Yeah. I always keep a stiff upper lip. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just as big a dope, too. Oh, shut up, you old decayed nerve. <laughs> Pay no attention to them, Sergeant. Will you do us a favor as long as you're here? Will you reach into the dunce cap and pick out a question for us, please? When you get one, would you be kind enough to read it right into the microphone? What vegetables mentioned in the picture, the corn is green? Thank you. <laughs> what vegetable is mentioned in the picture, the corn is green? Mr. Hart, who's in the picture? Ah, please, Mr. McNaughton, what difference does it make? My dear old boy, it makes a lot of difference. I may want to go and see the picture. And if I'm going to see the picture, I most surely want to know who's going to be in it. Yeah, but you don't have to see it. Nobody asked you to see it. Not as yet, but someone might ask me to go and see it. I have friends, you know. I see. I have many, many friends. Uh Uh-huh. Name a few. What? I say name a few of your friends. Name a few? Well, there's... And there's... uh, And then there's... uh, Oh. I'm sure I had some friends. Yeah, I thought. You mean you have no friends? I'll be your friend, Mr. McNaughton. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. McConnell. Shake. 
Friends to the end. Friends to the end. Could you loan me $10? That's the end. <laughs> Please, what vegetable is mentioned in the picture of the corn is green? Would you know, Mr. Shelf? No, I didn't see the picture. I told you, you don't have to see the picture. Now he don't want me to see the picture. <laughs> What's the matter with you, you old bug? You don't want nobody to enjoy themselves at all? What's the matter with you? Are you a natural-born grouch, or was your mother scared by a lemon? I see. You old sour puss. All right. What vegetable is mentioned in the picture of the corn is green? The question is about vegetables. Oh, vegetables. Oh, I had a lovely vegetable garden this summer, yes. It, but it wore me out, you know. Wore me out, jumping up and down on the potato plants. Jumping... Will you tell me what you were doing, jumping up and down on the potato plants? Yes, I wanted to raise mashed potatoes. You wanted to raise mashed potatoes. <laughs> What makes you such a perfect idiot? Oh, I got an early start. <laughs> I, my old man eats a lot of potatoes. Oh, really? But he shouldn't eat potatoes, you know. No. They got a lot of got a lot of starch in them. No wonder he's always stiff. <laughs> you know, my uncle Webfoot is raising automobiles up on his farm. He's raising automobiles up on his farm. Yeah, I got a letter from him. He says he's got a truck farm. He got ah. Oh, <laughs> Well, you're going to raise some cabbage heads. You're going to what? You're going to raise what, Mr. Cabbage heads. I see. Well, raise one for yourself, will you, please? Will you try and answer the question? Listen, I spent two weeks up at my Uncle Webfoot's farm this summer. Oh, oh I loved it up there. I just love to milk cows. That's a good job for a jerk. I... <laughs> Please get back to the question. I used to live on a farm, but I was always afraid of cows. You were. They could never get me to milk them. So one day I decided to take the bull by the horn. You'll never get milked that way. <laughs> Folks, that brings us right up to the finish line, so says uh, Mr. Pelagi. So we'll just have to call it quits until this time next week. We'd like to have you all to listen again. Now, here's that gargling baritone to tell you just what we mean when we say... It pays to be ignorant, to be dumb, to be dunce, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Now here's a fact from Uncle Sam's Almanac. Radio began commercially in the United States in 1920, and just two decades later, it was the means of entertainment for over 150 million Americans across our land. Radio was free then, and it still is. Just another way Americans are the best informed people on earth. This is Frank Rizzi in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next week for more stars and personalities from radio's golden days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.